I don't think God could surprise me anymore. Like the amount of opportunity and the amount of excitement and the amount of exhilaration associated to these types of conversations, they, they still blow my mind even four years later. Thank you guys for being a part of the Fit and Faith podcast journey and the evolution of what it's become for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. And today we have a guest on that is not just a pastor, not just anything, but ultimately just a son. And he claims that identity so beautifully, not just in the way that he speaks, but in the way that he shares and celebrates other people and brings other people into the vision that God has given him. There is so much favor on his life. We talk about that favor and how you can get underneath that blessing too. Y'all, he's a leader, he's an entrepreneur, he's a fellow podcaster, he's a pastor, and a man of God. He drops so many bombs, you're going to want a pen and paper down for this one. Mike, I'm not even going to say your last name, wait till you hear the intro, of the intro. You're listening to the intro. Leave a review, tag us both. He is also on YouTube and Instagram and all the places you can follow any media influencers, but to know that he's got a connection to the one. Let's go. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress. And this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. All right, all right. Coming in with some spice this morning with Mike Signorelli. (laughs) (laughs) He told me how to pronounce his name, but if I wanted to do it the spicy way, here's how it goes. Mike, I love Signorelli. Yes, Signorelli. I love it. Blessed to have you here, brother. Excited to jump into conversation. I had gotten connected with you on Instagram through an account called Reformed Christ, which is such a cool way to connect with different people. And they just bring influencers who have been dropping fire across social media into the presence of other people who follow their account. And Mike is definitely one who likes to bring clarity to your chaos. He's a pastor in New York City for the V1 Church. I want to know about the name there. And he's also a podcaster, but he's a leader and entrepreneur and uh, helps dreamers be those things as well. And so, Mike, I'm just grateful for what you're doing missionally for the kingdom. Oh, thank you so much. Well, my number one goal was to match your background today because <laughs> I, I I felt like like you got to start there and then you just go to the next level. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I do. This is the next level. This is season four of the show and I've got to bring all the flavor. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm out here in New York City. I'm actually in Queens right now. And we have a location in Brooklyn and on Long Island. And then I have another physical location in Northwest Indiana. So I'm, I'm always doing something. I love that. When did you guys found the church? 
So we just had our fifth birthday last month. Wow. You've had crazy growth so fast. Yeah. Technically, we hit fastest growing church in America category three years in a row. And a year and a half of it was actually in the pandemic. That's incredible. Were you guys meeting in person still at that point or all virtual? Uh, Well, you know, it's funny. We don't own any of our venues. And so here in New York City, it's like when the venue closed, we were forced to close. Um, One of our venues was like a converted nightclub. And it actually had a slide where from where you would run sound, you could like go on a a journey through a slide down into the, it was just wild. So our church church just had to adapt to a lot of crazy situations. That's amazing. I uh, went to a church in, um, it wasn't, where were we? Rhode Island. I go to I go to different churches every time me and my husband travel somewhere for speaking or a conference or something. We always try out one of the local churches um, based on ratings, really, or if we know them. And yeah. so we're in, uh, I believe it was Rhode Island, and we went into one that was obviously utilizing from a bar, and the kids ministry all took place on like the bottom floor dance floor. And I remember walking in and being like oh, this feels like a past life. And I don't yeah. know if this is right because there's sticky floors. It's a little bit smelly, but they did a phenomenal, like just transformation of the space for where the kids actually were. It was safe. Don't worry, people who yeah. are listening or judging. Don't be judgy. Yeah, Jesus can show up anywhere. Yeah, it's true. Well, you know, I always tell everybody we're a tabernacle in the wilderness. Yeah. And wherever that tabernacle moves, like as long as the presence of God is there, we're there. That's phenomenal. yeah. Well, and you think about like overhead and things like that. I'm I'm looking with my business lens too. Yeah. You know, having an actual location, there's so much that goes into that. And so being able to be transportable is yeah. huge nowadays. Yeah. Well, I'm very entrepreneurial as well. Yeah. Our church is full of some of the most brilliant entrepreneurs I've ever met. And sometimes when you put all of your heads together, it still doesn't like you know, get you access to a New York city building. (laughs) It's it's that hard out here. Um, But There's been so much grace, so much favor. And then you make all these memories for a lifetime and for sure you remember when kind of stuff. Yeah. And so what, how Indiana, how did you sum up? Cause I have family in Indiana. So I'm super curious. Well, that's when we might be related. I'm originally Ah. from Indiana. uh, (laughs) No way. That's awesome. Yeah, I always tell everybody here in New York City that I'm half hillbilly, half city slicker. (laughs) (laughs) That is priceless. That you're the good old American boy now. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm I'm originally from Northwest Indiana. And when I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to New York City, I thought this is too crazy. It's too expensive. There's no way. Um, but you know, here's the thing, like if it's God's vision, it's God's provision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really didn't understand like why New York city, but I really have a father's heart. That's like the biggest part of my ministry. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I was being moved to a city of orphans mm-hmm. and spiritual orphans. So I just said yes to that. And in the last five years, we've seen atheists, Hindus, agnostics, mm-hmm. Muslim, uh, you know, uh, church hurt people. I mean, some of the most radical conversions I've ever seen in my life. And I really feel like we're living in a sustained revival every week out here. And then what's crazy is during the pandemic, we had so many people from Northwest Indiana watching our church's live stream and meeting in homes that we ended up making into a full campus. That is incredible. And and this is the interesting thing is to have those two dichotomies of locale connected yeah. with the same heartbeat. I mean, that in and of itself is, is a prophetic vision for the true kingdom, 
right? Because there's so many cross-cultural divides at that point, location divides, generational divides, I'm sure. And and there's just such a need for that more than anything and any time, I think, in history, even though we've seen it time and time again, all the way back to Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about DNA. You know, like the pandemic was interesting because doing things online opened up this digital window into our world at V1 Church. And then people with our same DNA are like, man, you know, we're radical in worship and we, we love the scriptures. And it's just, you just started, we started finding our tribe, so to speak, globally. And we kind of turned into, we went from like a three location New York City church to homes all around the world. And we're still, actually, we're still incubating that. We're getting better. And then this summer, we're doing a huge global tour to physically meet everybody in person that, that really joined our family through the pandemic. So it's crazy. Awesome. That is incredible. And like just continued growth. I mean, you've talked, have you read through, I'm sure the connectivity of like the Francis Chan perspective of the home church. Yeah. I'd love to hear like your perspective on how that's continuing to be fostered through your vision. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be with Francis Chan this weekend, actually. Awesome. Uh, which oh, is how crazy. ironic. Yeah. And you know, I think some of that stuff initially was a response of like um, binging on megachurch culture, you know, yes. because when you're in that context, the like the politics and you know, everything that's involved with it can like, it can be so overwhelming. But I do think that a lot of what Francis said has value yeah. Uh, and so what we really did as a church is we embraced, instead of it being an either or, it's a both and. Yeah. And, it, you know, and so people need a pastor, people need a local church, but what does that look like? And really the most convicting story was there was a young girl in her 20s that lived in this remote part of Kentucky. And she was like, come, she reached out to us and she said, I, we have one of those like snake handling crazy churches and like, that's the closest church to me geographically. And, um, she was like, obviously that's not, I, not what I feel called to. And so that for me was the realization for the very first time, there are people that you can't say that there's a good local church. Right. Um, and so if there is one, we try to send people to like a traditional brick and mortar local church. But then like for her story, her name's Mariah. We're like, you know, Mariah, I don't think you should go to the state handling <laughs> yeah, church. Let's avoid that. Yeah. So we're here for you digitally. And then when you can meet with us physically, uh, mm-hmm. whenever we have events regionally or whatever. So we're just on this like crazy it's journey awesome. to figure out what we are. And I think about like your, your background in entrepreneurship, because this podcast is all about like founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are faith founded, who love Jesus, but they might be operating in the marketplace or they might be operating as ministers. And you're doing, it sounds like a little bit of both. And I even was perusing your website. And you have a really rad event that I am hopeful that I can attend um, with entrepreneurs coming up called the number one kingdom entrepreneur event, the kingdom global impact. And so talk to me about what was your history and what does that look like as you're now pastoring? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, I was raised by a single mom with five kids on welfare and that when you, I think when you're raised in that environment, it has the potential to pull the greatness out of you because eventually you realize no one's coming to save you Mm. like that. You've got to figure this out. And, and so when, when, when I combined the idea of, you know, Christ did come to save me. And so it's not by my own works. 
Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's rather through his grace and with the idea that no, that I've got to chart my own path. Right. Like that, those two ideas, like marrying those together. And I think a lot of, um, there are a lot of entrepreneurial believers that are waking up to their destiny right now. Yes, and so I'm super excited about that because for me, it was like, okay, Christ empowers me and I've got to go on this journey. But then he also gave me my own will, which means that we're going to co-labor. We're going to co-create. And I think old school Christianity was like, no, God's going to do it all. Right. And then secular humanism is I'm going to do it all. Yes, but on. then really the real gospel is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the fun part. And I, to me, I, hopefully somebody listening to this right now is like, yes, you, you know, your spirit's bearing witness. So I have a friend named Paul. Paul has over a million, uh, over a million followers on Instagram. He's worked with Gary Vanderchuk. He's worked with Grant Cardone, uh, Ty Lopez. He was actually the guy who had the idea for Ty Lopez that jumped off his career. Nice. And um, he's also a hardcore Christian. He's a believer and a multi-site pastor. So Paul and I have been working together for years. And he was like, you know, I, I've never really done anything explicitly in the Christian community. And and so for me, I'm mainly in the Christian community and the businesses that I run, I kind of run them like silently behind the scenes. And so I was like, what if I step into your world and you step into mine and we just do this event? So yeah, actually May 28th on Long Island, we're, we're doing this event. It's it's not actually just on Long Island, it's digitally as well. Okay. So I'll have to, you you could be my guest. I'll, I'll send you yeah. some info. Send me some um, info. Is that the weekend of Memorial Day weekend or after? Yeah, it is. Is it of? So I'm speaking at a podcasting event, ironically, in nice. uh, Orlando. But I, if I am able to be on, I want to be on virtually too. Um, but for some reason, I feel like it's the weekend after. Is it not? Regardless, I know yeah, it won't me... be the last time. It is. It's Saturday the 28th. You're right. Yep. I'll be in Orlando. But I, wanna, I want to, you to know that that like vision and what's actually transpiring in the entrepreneurial realm is what I'm seeing and how I get to show up every single day is the recognition that there's like this revival in the marketplace happening where people are recognizing like, hold on, there's not enough time (laughs) for me to just live life on this rat race. And I want to live on purpose and I want to live with vision and I want to blend my faith into my workplace. And whether they're the leader or they're the leader from a faith lens, I think that there is such an empowering perspective that the church could take right now in order to support and serve these visionaries. And and I think doing it through the church or through entrepreneurship, it's yes and, it's both. Absolutely. Well, you know, what I've realized is that We've, we've preached so hard against the prosperity gospel yes. that we've made people feel guilty for prospering Making money. I know like, yeah, it's like we've made. And so for me coming from poverty, it's like, I also don't see a poverty gospel, you right. know, it's so it's like, and so I always try to tell people we're called to be a river and not a reservoir. So it's like the the financial resources flow through kingdom people and there's nothing wrong with being successful by anyone's metric. Matter of fact, it's like, I believe there's a restoration of like Daniels, you know, people that carry influence outside of just the church world. And for me coming to New York city, there's that phrase, if you can make it in New York city, you can make it anywhere. And that's true. 
Yes. People didn't want just a pastor. They wanted somebody that they felt like he doesn't have to pastor. He could do anything, but God's called him to pastor. And there's uh, like, for example, I started this company called EIS Mm -hmm. um, and it's emotionally intelligent solutions. And I had a vision for providing um, really like high, high capacity leaders with counseling. Because sometimes when you take like normal people through counseling, it's good, but you bring like a high capacity entrepreneurial person into a counseling environment and they're just like, this this is painful. Like, please, like talk faster. Give me the point. Like, What's the action item? I need to have my homework. Exactly. Like, give me my list. So I was like, I want to provide that for people that's biblically based. So anyways, we did a million in revenue our first year. And I had to expand our staff to 17 counselors. I, of course, I did this through all through partnership with two other incredible entrepreneurs that we we came together to make this. But my point is, um, the local church has limitations. Right. So as a pastor, I'm like, I as our church was explosively growing, I'm like, I can't provide the kind of care I want to, right. but through and entrepreneurship, everyone. I can. Yeah. And I, I have the gift of being able to work alongside a lot of pastors who are in kind of that that space where it feels like a rut and they're like in between a rock and a hard place, whether their church isn't financially sound. And so therefore they're not able to even provide for their family, but they're incredibly gifted and talented and they have other resources that they should be leaning on, but their, their capacity is limited because of how many people they're trying to serve or they're the pastor who was pastoring for 15, 20 years. And they're in this next season where they see this dire need almost through a lens of counseling, um, through this lens of coaching, where they understand that if I could actually walk life out with these people more intimately or in this specific framework, whether it's group or, or one-on-one, it really is the new evolution. And that's where that marketplace ministers or ministers in the marketplace really has evolved into, I think more than anything, because there's going to be massive impact. It's going to be the truest transformation rather than therapy being sometimes just the um, icing to what needs to be the cooked cake, right? Like it's like, there's actually more to the story. And I think emotional intelligence is a huge part of that. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. It's one of those things that, uh, it's a standard by which we're all being judged, but nobody yeah. teaches. Yeah, so true. It's so interesting as I, I'm hearing you talk and even thinking through, I was um, listening to John Asraf this past week. Have you been connected to him at all? I, no, not directly. So he has uh, this thing called NeuroGym. And the NeuroGym concept is basically like the rewiring of the brain associated to our the way we activate as entrepreneurs. Um, and he doesn't necessarily lean into his faith system, but he does speak to spirituality as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm looking through, obviously, the biblical lens, like what would Jesus say about this? What does this mean? And I think there's that element of the necessity of recognizing how to operate with our mind and reprogram what has generationally been passed in the yeah. church associated to what you were both speaking to earlier, the poverty versus prosperity concept. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Caroline Leaf and she's done a lot of work and talking about like the, the neurogenesis and just so many incredible, um, I I think things that point to God's design for us. 
And I've really, that multi-generational aspect is so crazy. I, I was giving a talk and I was reading a, a study where they trained like these rats to go through a maze. Yeah. And I know like, you know, she talks about this as well and how their offspring had the ability to navigate this incredibly complex maze, uh, even though they had never been trained, which seemed to indicate that even skills and abilities are passed down. And, you know, for me being like a first generation entrepreneur, I believe that that's the inheritance from my adoption. So it's like, you know, like, so because I'll tell you, like one of my favorite parts about entrepreneurship as a believer is is working with the Holy Spirit and, you know, him kind of grafting into your DNA entrepreneurship and being a builder and things that have worked out that I'm like, they're like, where'd you get that idea? How would you know how to do that? And it's like, yeah, I'm faithful to read books. I'm faithful to listen to podcasts, but I also listen to the voice of my father and he's given me these ideas and giving me, you know, and that's one of the things about Paul, the guy I'm doing this kingdom impact event with on the 28th is it's like, when you listen to the story of like how he got the idea for Grant Cardone or, you know, Gary, Gary Vanderchuk, or it's crazy. It literally was like the Lord just downloading these things. And I love that X factor. You know? Yes. Yes. And I think what happens a lot is that people think that they're not attuned to God's promise. They're not attuned to the worthiness factor. They're not attuned to the capability factor and they limit themselves from, this is a really cool idea. I always tell people that I was actually the originator of Uber when I was in college because I started this drunk driving program called safe rides and it. it was incredible. And we were able to like get rental cars, from local enterprises and serve the wow. community with free rides every single Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night till all hours of the morning. And yet Uber wasn't around at that point. Yeah. And I was thinking, gosh, if this idea had been blossomed to life in a whole other way to be able to bring that to life there, it could have been done. But somebody else took it to the whole other level. I didn't even think to do that outside wow. of my university. One of the examples that also struck a chord as you were sharing was the rat example. And another way that you can use this, it's a total, I haven't got to preach it on stage yet, but you can Uh share it with the V1 community, um, is this idea of the monarch butterfly. So my daughter just went to um, the place in Mexico. It's a mountain in Mexico where you get to see the the super monarchs. It's the largest Mm -hmm. monarch. It's where all of them arrive annually. And they're coming from Canada all the way to this specific location. It takes a year year-long travel distance, but there are four generations of butterflies that it takes before the super monarch gets there. So to think Mm. that four generations, they know instinctively when they're born and after their parent has passed, they're now being birthed and they're going in the same direction to the same location. How is that possible? Even scientists haven't figured out how are they staying on track to this same path every single year and generations are dying off in order for them to do it. It's no different than what happened with Moses and Joshua, but they knew that there was a promised land. I don't know how it's passed to the monarch, but to think about us as humans, the the differentiating factor between the person who gets the idea and sits on it and the person who gets the idea and acts on it is literally just activation. And faith associated to that. Oh, I love that. The most powerful thing you can do to unlock your greatness and step into your next level of abundance is to get in the room with others who have been where you want to be and perhaps are going where you want to go. 
but oftentimes we can put ourselves in the wrong room based on exterior vantage points. What they wear, where they go, what they do. When we know in our heart of hearts that we should be following people, standing along people who are aligned in true wealth. Stop feeling alone in the journey of growth as a business leader and an entrepreneur who loves God. Stop struggling to find the right answer when it's already been written. Stop giving up on the desires of your heart when God placed them there with intention. Stop standing in this lack mentality when your prosperity is critical for all of us in the kingdom. Come, find a seat at the table at the most impactful faith-driven business conference you will ever experience. Alongside ministry-driven marketplace leaders, you will evolve, unlock, and activate your next level. That just sounded like a video game. This is not the meta, okay? This is your IRL, your in-real-life chance to be in the room with some of the greatest kingdom entrepreneurs of our time. Founders, innovators, trailblazers who are God-centered are coming together to grow their business for God's sake. And that's an inside-out job. You will leave this three-day intensive with action plans, new income strategies, fresh mentalities towards business and life integration, and a sense of freedom that will have others magnetized to what you are selling by the way you freshly and uniquely serve. It's happening on November 4th through the 6th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee, with a highlight VIP event on November 3rd. There are seats at the table for you, but they will go fast. It's a limited reservation, so get your tickets now at growforgod.com. Again, that's growforgod.com. I cannot wait to hug your neck. I cannot wait to see you there in person. I cannot wait for this energetic room to just light up the world because that's what we're going to do when we leave this conference, but you got to be in the room. IRL, let's go. Well, I think about how the scriptures say that in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the sins of the father, you know, will be visited upon the children three to four generations. But if you read that text, it also says the blessing. And I think a lot of times we focus on the curse, but we don't focus on multi-generational blessing. Mm. And so, yeah, that's so encouraging to me. I'm going to use that, by the way. I'll, I know I'll, you will. Hey, just, just like, send it some love. <laughs> I'm like, you need to go follow her online. She's a genius. But yeah, I might unload that. This I'm speaking in Kansas City this Sunday. I might weave that in. So. Check it out. It's the super monarch. And it's just, it's phenomenal. And so she got to see, she had to take a donkey trail up to the top. And she got to see where thousands, like as far as the eye can see, is super monarchs. And wow. so- Right when I heard it, I was like, "Woo, praise Jesus. That's a, that's yeah, a message. That's a word. <laughs> right? And so I love doing that. I love hearing anything that's happening in society. I love hearing any business trial or tribulation. I'm like, oh, God's all up in that. Let me tell you how, right? Yeah. Uh, and I just think people, if they were to utilize the word, the way that we are stewarding it now, even in this conversation, and not look at it as um, this... Um, uh, what do I, I don't want to say rules because it is a set of rules. It is foundational and principles are essentially rules for us to follow, but people look at it as ancient when it's right. active. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what though. It's like, I think if you, the thing that I think people are experiencing right now is what mo- the results that modern wisdom is giving people is not the results they want. And to me, it's like ancient wisdom being applied to modern problems is showing some good results. 
And the world's going to see that, you know, more and more. Uh, That same thing in New York City. It's like a lot of people are like, you know, well, why should I listen to the Bible? It's ancient. And I'm like, yeah, but how is your life working out for you? Like you, you've done all the modern solutions and you came to me because you hate your life. So let me give you some tried and true, you know, the wisdom of the ancients. Like it was good for them. It's good for us. Well, I think through like happy, I think through hustle culture, I think through all of these things that people are uh, trying to achieve, even from a lens of success, even from a lens of finances, right? We're talking about money prior to and wealth is so much more than just finances, but God planted gold in the garden with intention for us to be able to utilize it as a tool, as a resource. Otherwise he wouldn't have put it there. It wouldn't have been purpose from the get go in the onset of creation. And to know that we have dominion over it versus what I think a lot of people think success, they get the thing. And what happens is the dominion is over top of them. The money actually owns them versus them owning the money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like the seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. One of the biggest things I struggle with as a pastor is entrepreneurs, especially in New York, who they they read all these books and they listen to podcasts that say you need spirituality. That's your what you're missing. Spirituality, spirituality. So they show up to church trying to plug in this element that'll make them successful. So, yeah. you know, it's like, or the boss lady culture, that's like a big thing. Like we're yes. boss ladies oh. and we, we burn sage and like we do tarot and like, yes. we, you know, it's like this, they kind of bring in the spirituality. And I think especially a church like V1 Church, they're like, oh yeah, this is my new secret ingredient. And when they get into our environment, they realize, no, the true Jesus always destroys idolatry. And so like, that's really what he's after. Like he only asks you to give away the thing that has you, you don't have it. And so it's like, if you come in here and that, and you have an idolatry connected to influence, fame, that's what Jesus is going to ask you for. If you come in here and you have an idolatry connected to your house, your car, that's the very thing he's going to ask you to give. Um, and so I've really got to make sure as a pastor, the real Jesus is in our midst so because the, and, but this is the thing I wanted to say this for those of you who are listening, what I, the secret I've been learning about the kingdom, yeah. especially concerning entrepreneurs is that Jesus will always simultaneously demand that you destroy the idol and then show you how to righteously fulfill that desire. So good. So it's like fame is like, like not a problem. Jesus was famous, but if it's, if you come to him and that is your idol, he will simultaneously demand that you destroy it and then teach you how to righteously fulfill it. So you'll end up famous, but it's like, but you'll use your platform to elevate Jesus, yes. you know? So you still, it's like you get what you wanted, but you don't want it anymore. Yes. Like, yes. That's the thing that because you're glorifying him in the process. Cause you're like, it's not even about me. It's not even mine. Just take what is my, what I have. Right. Because what I have is something you can't take ultimately. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's the spirit. That's it. Well, because your identity, you thought it was in entrepreneurship, but actually now it's in being a son or a daughter who is on. So you're a son or a daughter who is entrepreneurial. You're not an entrepreneur anymore. And it's like, so you can take away entrepreneurship, but you can't take my identity. Mike, you're speaking into my testimony so good right now. (laughs) 
It's so good. I mean, I literally, I call this like my tombstone moment. I was mm. running two companies, one which was global and the other which was local brick and mortar and online e-commerce. And 70 hours a week, I pulled into the driveway. My littlest was nine months. My other was barely two. And my nine-month waddling baby who just stopped nursing, she didn't come to me. And I had been gone for like 12 hours at that point. And she went back, started waddling to my husband at the time. And still my husband, let me rephrase mm. that, my amazing husband. But my husband at the time yeah. is a different man than the man I'm going to remarry in a couple months. And oh. um, so I, I had this moment and it was almost like this flash of my tombstone of, am I going to be an entrepreneur? Is that what mm. I'm called to do? Or do I want to be what most tombstones say, which I believe is the most noble, you know, space that I could be? Am I going to be a wife? Am I going to be a mother? Am I going to be a child of God, which is the precursor to all of those things? And I could easily say in that moment, no. And do, is, are those things even worth it? Because what I was chasing were idols. It was false idolship. And so I had this massive shift in integrity and this massive shift of righteousness connected to that in the recognition factor of I have to wave my white flag. I've got yeah. to surrender it all. And won't you know that God put me right back into the yeah. places of entrepreneurship without me even planning it, without me even having any inclination of doing it. And it's just been such a beautiful testimony to not just my entrepreneurial journey, but to my marriage and to my role yeah. as a mother and most importantly in my identity as a child of God. You know what's crazy about you? I love your story. It's like entrepreneurship will destroy your marriage, but kingdom entrepreneurship will build it be better, yeah. better, bigger. Yeah. It's like entrepreneurship will destroy your family, your relationship to your children, but kingdom entrepreneurship will give you like, like a greater capacity to love and nurture your children and raise them up in their gifts. And it's like, that to me is, I got chills all over me even saying this because you know, again, as a first generation entrepreneur, it's like, if your business is destroying your marriage, then it's like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, yeah. it's you're and it's like how Jesus said, my burden is light. Yes. It's my yoke is easy. And yeah. for, it's so hard for grinders and hustlers <laughs> and entrepreneurs to understand that, but it, it really flows from a place of identity. One of my favorite moments in scripture is Jesus comes out of the Jordan, he's being baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes like a dove. It descends on him. The heavens open, just like they did for Jacob in the Old Testament. And then this voice says, this is my son whom I, in whom I'm well pleased. But, but chronologically, that's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't even done anything yet. Yeah. And I think for entrepreneurs, to, so you have to go back to that moment where it's like you were his son or his daughter in whom he's well pleased before you accomplished anything. And so you so don't accomplish... Good. And so when you understand that now you don't accomplish for approval, you accomplish from a place of approval. And so, when you come okay. into the marketplace, you're like, you can't approve me or deny me because I'm right. already approved. Like, come on, brother. It's like there's a favor. And that's the thing about the father's blessing. And the Jews understand that a lot within the context mm -hmm. of Judaism. Like you can do nothing. If you don't have the father's blessing, all you're doing is working. 
And it's it's not adding up to legacy. But when the father releases a blessing upon you and there's that favor upon your life, it'll open doors that only that favor can open. It'll close doors that should not be. And so for me, people are like, I've lived in New York City my whole life. Why does this happen to you? I'm like, because I have the favor of God, the mighty hand of God rest upon my life. Like I could move to Zambia, Africa. And the same (laughs) thing would happen in Africa. I could move to Australia. Like the favor doesn't care where I'm at. And I think if if you're watching this right now, I'm trying to provoke an intimacy with God in entrepreneurs right now. I want you to say, I want that. (laughs) <laughs> because once you have that, everything else can be released on your life and you won't lose your mind. <laughs> no. And that's the craziest. That's that chaos piece that we were talking about at the gate yes. when I was introducing you, because that truly is the rat race. That truly is what you were talking about before in your example. It's this rat wheel, but there's generational ties and like everyone just doing the exact same thing. And there's no evidential change. When you look through the mental mess, when you look through these emotional intelligence understandings, it's like there's a rewiring that's like why our our brain is neuroplasticity is a thing. Yeah. Is there's a rewiring opportunity. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that can happen in an instant. Come on. That can happen without anything because of that white dove dissension of you actually understanding your identity. And yeah. that has changed. That's changed the entrepreneurial route in so many ways. So when people come... And they're like, you're always so happy. I'm like, I'm always so joyful. There are days where I might feel a little frustrated. There are days when it feels a little heavy. And that's when I know I'm out of alignment to the call. Because the other days, moments like this, like it is so fun. It is so fueling. It is so invigorating. And that is passed through a microphone. That's passed through a video. That's passed hand to hand. You can't bottle up what I have, but I can introduce you to the one who is the restorer of all empty bottles. Come on, preach that, Tamara. You are my spiritual sister. (laughs) Your husband is my spiritual brother. I just know it. You would love him. He's a he's our our Yoda. He's Uh, got all the words, but he will never get on a mic or a stage. (laughs) Well, don't get him next to me because you know I I push people into into their thing. But you know, for me, entrepreneurship. What made it so dangerous for me is when you come from where I come from, you can start feeling like, well, now I'm proving something. Yeah. And like, I'm proving something to the haters, to the naysayers. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm proving something to the people who thought I'd never make it. And that can become very dangerous because for me, it was, that's where I was coming from was like, I'm going to show you I'm, I'm. And so I think, which leads to this moving target syndrome where you're chasing this, like, even now, I mean, I, I was talking to this guy who I'm, uh, he's awesome. His name's Sean Cannell. He's got this huge uh, YouTube channel. It's like a couple million subscribers. And we were on Zoom the other night. And it's funny because I'm looking at him. He's got 2 million subscribers. He's a hardcore man of God. And he's telling me how much I'm killing it at YouTube. And I have 36,000 subscribers. Yeah. And it's funny how like you, one of the ways, you know, you have an entrepreneurial heart is that enough is never enough. Yeah. You know, cause I'm looking, I'm like, well, I'll feel that way when I have 2 million like yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, like percentage wise, like people never. So it's like, you have to constantly bridle your heart and say, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not proving anything. Everything that already needed to be proved was proven. Uh, and so, um, like you said, that tombstone moment, 
because entrepreneur has a lot to do. It's like, yeah, make me like a 17 foot tall tombstone and let's bullet all of my accomplishments. <laughs> yes. Like Here's that's, my bio. That's, yeah. That's like an entrepreneur's tombstone is like, it's 17 yeah. feet tall. It's a totem yeah. pole. Yeah. But for me being like, if all it said in place of my name was son. Yeah. That's yeah, so good. That's enough. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why having the privilege and this word has been something that's kind of encoded over my week this week when I was grinding through a workout, I'm like, someone said the word privilege and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to flip the lens. I, I say I, I get to do all of these other things in my life, but I've never really looked at it from the lens of my health because it's never been something that was really taken away from me. Um, mm. But we have this privilege, even as an entrepreneur, it's a privilege to be able to have the visionary lens and to be able to be out front and to not be completely afraid as you're walking into the great abyss of whatever the next opportunity or whatever yeah. the next vision is. And it's this knowing that that privilege, it can be taken from you. And, and mm -hmm. if we are Go, it's like, I just, right when I said that, it just wow. made me think of like the robe, like Joseph's robe that was taken from him. His father gave him this colorful cloak, right? And it was taken by his brothers who, who were trying to prove something. They were trying to prove something. Wow. They were trying to defer and dismiss and defer his blessing. But it didn't matter if he was sold into slavery. It didn't matter what Potiphar's wife said. It didn't matter if he was imprisoned. The favor, like you were talking about, followed him into the greatest blessing, which ultimately got to bless the people who were there. And so it's less about proving on our mm. flesh, it's more about God showing up and getting his name revealed to those people. And we don't have to work to do that. He's already doing that himself. Yeah, man, that's such a good word. Are you Joseph or Joseph brothers? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like well, I think started. a lot of people say I'm Joseph, right? But when are you Joseph's brother by casting down your brother or sister in the space that is their glory moment? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had to deal with a lot of jealousy. Oh, um, sure like my jealous heart, you know, and I yeah. used to look at people, you know, I'm a first generation pastor yeah. and we were literally breaking records for fastest growing church in America. And I was jealous of other pastors because they were second generation. Uh, even as entrepreneurs, like I look at like multi-generational entrepreneurial families yeah. and I'm like, man, it must've been nice. But then the thing is, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me you always fight a spirit with the opposite spirit. Mm -hmm. So you know how like Jesus did not cast out Beelzebub by the power of Beelzebub. It was an opposite spirit. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, what is the opposite of competition? Well, it's celebration. Yes. So every single time my heart felt co competitive towards another brother or sister in Christ, whether it's another pastor, entrepreneur, I would literally send them messages of celebration and encouragement every single time. Now, they didn't know. I actually, I felt the opposite of what I said, but I'm trying to break something off of my life. And then through that encouragement, they started sharing their burden mm -hmm. and they started telling me what it was like. And then I'm like, wow, so none of us escape pain. It's just a different form of pain. So one, one of my friends, he's a third generation entrepreneur, massive, multi, multi, multi-million dollar company. And he was like, my dad taught me the ways of leadership and entrepreneurship, but also has never hugged me one time. Mm, goodness. And so it's like, so what do you want? Like, do you want to inherit like a, you know, a billion dollar business or do you want your father's embrace, your father's hug? And so it's like, what I realize is like everybody is lacking in some way. And so you're you, really, you, um, you're blinded to that by your own jealousy, by your own competition. And it's very easy to, 
to get into that lane. So I would just encourage anybody watching to re- or listening to really um, every time you're triggered by jealousy or competition, fight a spirit by the opposite spirit because you'll unlock them and then also build the bridge of empathy, which will cause you to unite. And now some of those people that I was encouraging, now they're my greatest team members. Oh, good. It's so powerful. And I think I was thinking as you're talking through the celebration factor this morning, I was sharing with another pastor on Clubhouse and we were talking about obstacles. Mm -hmm. And so often when we come face to face with an obstacle as an entrepreneur, it's a different lens than the traditional person who might flee or freeze, right? Or Mm -hmm. fight that obstacle. Um, But as an entrepreneur, we're generally like, let's go. Like, what do you Mm -hmm. got for me? I can figure this out. But it's only looked at as a completion factor. We're just looking to check that box and move on to the next goal because there's something bigger in store, something vision that we can see in sight. And I think that's an element that we're also not good at is why aren't we celebrating those smile, those small milestones, because you having 36,000 is more than a majority of the people who will never probably have 36,000 people on YouTube or you having the church and having multi sites already. Like there are so many pastors who would love to have one extra site. And so celebrating that favor and celebrating that space that we're in is, is so critical rather than just looking at it as a completion zone. And entrepreneurs are so good at that. Like I, I do it all the time with my team and I'm so grateful. We had a new team member come in and every Friday she sends a message. What are you celebrating from this week? What are you celebrating? And that little reminder is like, oh, wow, we've done so much in just a week's time frame, And yet I still have, it's like that gap in the gain mentality. Did you mm-hmm. ever read Dan Sullivan's book? Oh yeah. We exist in the gap. And God's like, no, I'm all up in your gain every single day. But if you don't focus on me, it's that gratitude practice that everyone speaks to. And I think the variable is what you said. It's spirituality versus Jesus. People Mm. get spirituality, the holistic way of doing life versus just being with the one who makes you whole. And that's Jesus. Oh, that is so rich. Yeah, I well, we, in my family we do this thing where we go around the dinner table and I and I say, what are three things that bring you joy? Mm-hmm. And my eight year old last night was like, well, what's what is joy? You know, like she's starting to question it. And my fifteen year old, she was like, well, it's not happiness. Joy is a choice. Yes. And I was like, good job, Bella. And Come she's on. a little entrepreneur. Yes. But we went around and we were just because what happens is like it is possible to eat your food so fast, you never taste it. And I think when you're living this life, it's possible to experience so many memories. And you took a picture like, yeah, I'll go back and look at this picture later. But how many times have you stopped to actually taste that moment and Mm -hmm. experience it? And so what I've learned is I use a phrase all the time with our teams, like, guys, we're in the good old days. And I say that all the time, like we're in the good old days. We're in them now. It's just because we have to become more existential and in the moment. Because I think Christ, that was the heart of Christ. Like he was actually there. Yeah, that's so powerful. Just getting present. That's where celebration can take place, right? It's so good. 
Well, Mike, it's we could sit here and talk all day and we might just have to one day. <laughs> but for now, I feel like you have dropped so many gems for the, the listeners and the community and all those who are online. We're reading. We've got Comparison is the, three, the Thief of Joy. Flip the Trigger. This is so good. This is a unique perspective and so timely. We are so appreciative of you guys being here and joining us today. And we cannot wait for more from the Fit and Faith podcast. But more importantly, I can't wait for more from Mike Cinderella. <laughs> did I say it right? I did it right. Yes. It. <laughs> so you it. guys you get plugged in to V1 Church and maybe you're the next home church. Maybe you're next one of their satellites. When they do their global tour, they'll be coming to see you. Um, I'm just appreciative of your ministry, brother. And we've got to connect some more and definitely yeah. get on some conference experiences to bring this to people's cities. I think it's so critical. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got straight up family here in New York City anytime. And I'm so thankful for your ministry and your voice. And I just am believing that God's going to continue to amplify your voice, um, even if it's just me quoting you in sermons <laughs> all around <Yes>. the world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Take me with you. I'll help you. Yeah. Get that word out there. All right, brother. Such a gift. I love you so much. Love your family. Thanks for being oh, here. Thank you. I'll Bye, see you. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this is going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.